somebody. <laughs> oh, you didn't know. Which wrestler was that? Road Dog. Road Dog. Road, Road Dog. Dog. It's Road Dog's <laughs> entrance music, I'm sure of it. to the final countdown a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football i'm lewis here with my co-host adam hello there and we are continuing our series on the final days of a uh, particular season we're going through the english uh, i was about to say premier league then but first no, division top division as it was then uh, and we'll get straight into it ad uh, it's your report this week well we need to begin with a public apology we do yeah a corrections and uh, a thank you as well our corrections department milsey right. yeah good old milsey uh, thank you very much our follower on twitter has Pointed out what was bloody obvious if I thought about it. <laughs> so there was an element of embarrassment sure. uh, when I realised what he was pointing out. Basically, there are two Peter Taylors. One was the assistant to Clough yeah. in the mid se- mid to late 70s, who we uh, talked about. Sure. Inadvertently, we linked him to the Peter Taylor that was England manager for one game. Yeah. In 2000. Yeah, neither of us picked up on that. Which would have made Peter Taylor about 24 <laughs> when, when, he was, <laughs> when he was Brian Clough's assistant. I mean, who would have thought it with the names Peter and Taylor? There was more than one of them. How could we have known? I know. <laughs> Sometimes the fact that we record this first thing in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Clinging to every sip of coffee is abundantly clear. Yeah. So thank you to Billsy for pointing out that, that Peter Taylor of Leicester and England fame Yep. is different to Peter Taylor of Brian Clough Assistant. Of course. Fame. Yeah. So we're always learning. We are. And, you know, we're part-time podcasters. We, we do as much as we can in the time that we have, uh, but always grateful to uh, our followers. Thanks, Millsy, for uh, setting us straight on that one. Fun and education. Fun and education for us. For as us. Well, as yeah. well as our listeners. Every day's a school day. So uh, we head into, uh, tentatively, that I'm going to just make up something. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to head into 1979-1980, so we get into the new decade. Um, The 100th season of competitive football in England. Oh, that's good. A centenary. You like that? Oh, an old league. So, uh, yeah, we head in, and we head in from the back of your report last week with Liverpool as champions. That's right. Back where they belong. Nottingham Forest as European champions. Yes. And so this kind of almost like mini rivalry uh, that, you know, Forrest are now not just a kind of like fluky Leicester. Yeah, you know, that's right. 2016 type team, but a, a, a major player. Absolutely. Amazing, really, when you think back two seasons. Well, you think about the people that have won the European Cup, the likes of like Benfica, Real Madrid, Liverpool, like these absolutely yeah. gargantuan teams and now not only Forrest are alongside them. It's, it's amazing. And it would continue as we'll get to uh, in this season. But yeah, Clough would go on to defy people um, with this Forest team um, in terms of how they continue to perform uh, season after season at the absolute top level. They were they were in the mix again, but not so much uh, the kind of two-horse race uh, right. that we had seen in previous seasons. Um, the 3rd of May, 1980, was actually the penultimate league game, so not the final okay. league game. Sometimes in these seasons, as we pointed out, the final league game, Apparently, this season overran by two and a half weeks. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> two and a half weeks? Yeah. I thought you were about to say, like, a weekend. So, sometimes picking out a random Thursday game between, like, 
Tottenham versus Stoke yeah, just sure. doesn't really sum it up. So the most significant final day uh, of the 79-80 season that happened on the 3rd of May, 1980, Liverpool clinched the league title again. Yes, we did. To win their fourth league title in five years. Only stopped, as we've mentioned, by Clubs Forest uh, two years previously. They won their penultimate league of the game, uh, league of the season, by beating Aston Villa four-one Anfield. The result actually rendered academic by Man United, who were this the other team in the two horse race. Interesting, right? Uh, by this point, they lost to Leeds, so actually Liverpool beating Villa didn't make any difference. Yeah, sure. Um, Liverpool. Um, were clear of United if United lost then it was over anyway they had run them close though and I think United coming into the mix of the league obviously they'd been in and about the FA Cup finals that's right yeah. uh, they lost a very tight FA Cup the five minute final as we've covered the year before against Arsenal um, so then becoming a bit of a team again I think they got relegated earlier in this decade I've got a right. feeling Dennis Law playing for City Relegated, relegated United. United. Yeah, that's very famous. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's 70s. So they're back in the big time again and, and running the title pretty close, uh, but ultimately couldn't get it done. Um, Liverpool again winning a title. Uh, Bobby Robson's Ipswich Town mentioned to Sir Bob. Oh, yes. Uh, tip of the cap. An, audi- an audible tip of the cap. Absolutely. Uh, he was manager of Ipswich Town. They... Um, lost their unbeaten league run that they had maintained for over five months. Wow. On this same day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 3rd of May. Um, but they still finished third, but unbeaten for five months. Um, incredible. Again, like Ipswich, a bit of a Nottingham Forest in the sense that not expected to be a big team at all. But yeah, sure. there they were, FA Cup final, um, couple of seasons before. I think they won it. Did they win it or lose it? I can't remember. They got to Europe, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They were in Europe. Fact check. Some time later. Ipswich Town won the FA Cup in 1978 when they beat Arsenal 1-0. A um, Roger Osborne goal. Fantastic. Ipswich's finest moment, uh, courtesy of Sir Bob, uh, which, you know, this kind of little season of time, Bob Robson kind of doing really well with Ipswich and the FA's kind of like, you know, refusal to hire yeah. Brian Clough. Yeah, sure. This would lead to Bobby Robson eventually getting the England manager's job. That's an interesting trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. If, if we'd had Cluffy, would we have got Robson, therefore, yeah. As as an England fan, would you have wanted to see what to take the gamble on Cluffy or take what we got with Robson, which really is is just uh, it's on a pedestal in our brains, even though well, we didn't it, succeed. I mean, got up until Southgate, it was as good as it got for yeah, that's what for I mean. our entire lifetime, yeah. my entire life. So, forty years by far. I suppose you could argue Venables at Euro ninety six, but it's a Euro, yeah, it's not the same as a World Cup. No. So, yeah, I mean. But it's amazing, really. I'm sure we'll talk about Robson, but his reign in, in England, it would never happen now. He'd no, never get no. the chances he did. Failing so badly at 88, yeah, Euro course. 88. Lost all three games. And to go to 90 two years later and... Well, yeah, to, to have the job. Just incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just wouldn't happen. No. There's no way on earth that, that he'd have the manager's job. No. Something to be said there, to go from one of the worst teams in Europe two years later to finishing fourth. I think they finished fourth. Yeah, that's right. Um, and run very close. Um, but yeah, that's Sir Bobby Robson. But yeah, great. The Clough kind of England story would rumble on from for a few years. But if there was ever a time to get Clough into England, surely it would have been post this post-Forest era, early yeah, 80s. Yeah. Ron Greenwood, who we'll mention in a minute, he was the manager of England going into the 82 World Cup. Right, okay. Um, and ultimately, England were, yeah, I mean, they'd been rubbish for a decade and they didn't really perform no. um, at uh, 82, despite having the power... Houses of Keegan and Brooking. Oh, Kevin Keegan. Ballon d'Or winning Kevin Keegan. Although he came back from injury, didn't he? Do you remember the 82 World Cup story? Uh, no, refresh my memory. Um, so I, uh, he, he was injured, a bit of a kind of Beckham's metatarsal. Right, okay. You know, Rooney's 
metatarsal as that's well. That's right, yeah, it was the metatarsal curse. That's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So I don't think it was a metatarsal, Keegan, but he was coming back from injury and I think he came on as a sub, wasn't fit, came on as a sub in a game we had to win. I think right. he missed a very easy header. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in, to, to win the game that was just, would have sent them through. I don't think England lost in 82. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure... Um, I'm pretty sure they didn't lose in 82, but, right. but went out of the tournament having like drawn nil-nil like nine times or something. It's an, inter- it's an interesting... This is so weird for me to see some of the teams here. It's an interesting um, set of results for England. So a nil-nil with Spain, a yep. nil-nil with West Germany, a 2 nil win over Czechoslovakia, right. a 1-0 win over Kuwait. <laughs> tough, Kuwait. Tough day. Yeah. Uh, and then a 3-1 win over France. So not too bad. Only two draws. And the 3-1 win over France was the opening game. That was um, Brian Robson's fastest goal in World Cup history. Oh, nice. Um, Very good. Obviously, it was beaten later, but it was something like 13 seconds. Right. Um, yeah, so the England started really well. And had some big names in that team, but well, just didn't perform. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the goal scorers. So Brian Robson, like you say, Paul Mariner. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Francis scored as well. And then... Um, Another goal from Trevor Francis. Oh, and an own goal. Yeah, so actually we scored like six goals, but only three goal scorers. Yeah. But. So there we go. Anyway, a little side into 1982, but come back again uh, to 79-80. Liverpool and Man United, as we'd mentioned, have made it a two-horse race since Christmas, uh, but Liverpool clinched the titles. Man United had their best league campaign for more than a decade. Yeah, of course. It's crazy to think of. Well, it's following the disaster now. of the Busby Babes, isn't it? About like 67, years, yeah. they won the, won the league, yeah. And then they had, obviously, Busby got ill, mm-hmm. quit. United went down uh, yeah. and, and, and came back up. Uh, and we're back in the mix again. Two days earlier was maybe a more significant day in Liverpool history, though. So we're, we're in 3rd of May, Liverpool clinching the title, United losing um, to Leeds. Um, but two days earlier, why was it a more significant day than that in Liverpool's history? Maybe not more significant. This might be the wrong word, but certainly no. important. I don't know. The 1st of May 1980, Liverpool signed a player. They agreed a fee for 300000 for a young Chester striker. Rushy. Rushy. Is it? Yeah. Wow, I thought Rush was a few years later. 18 years old. Wow. Signed for three hundred grand. Um, to the Merseyside Giants two days before Liverpool captured the 1980 title. Amazing. I thought it was very early 80s. I didn't realise he'd signed right at the end of the 70s. Incredible. Oh, this is technically very early 80s. Well, yeah, the, the, earliest, yeah, yeah, the yeah. earliest of 80s. Five months into it. Yeah, amazing. So, oh, rushy. So there we go. This is also weird. On the same day, it's a big old week, this for Liverpool. Arsenal finally reached the FA Cup final, having beaten Liverpool 1-0 in the FA, FA Cup semi-final third replay. That's crazy, isn't it? Part of me. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? There's part of me that does miss a replay, but only in the extreme ways like this. Like, okay, having to play the next day is a bit of a ball ache. But yeah. I do like the idea of it's like, right, we've, you know, fought each other 300 minutes yeah. and we still can't find Slowly, a Slowly, yeah. I, I like that. So it's two one-all draws. Uh, interesting as well. So they, they played on the Sunday, they played on the Thursday, they played on the Monday. Villa Park That's the first crazy. two games, but yeah. Villa Park weren't available on the third. <laughs> isn't that great, isn't it? Can we hire a pitch? Amazing! Great, isn't it? Like ringing up their goal centre, well, lads. You put the five to five side pitches together. Do you reckon we can get a game on? Yeah, so they played at Highfield Road. Do you do you know what Highfield Road? I is? don't. Coventry's old. Um, oh, pitch. before the Rico. That's right. Yeah. Um, I always thought the Rico was named after, but badly spelt, Bruce Rioch. <laughs> 
they, <laughs> they'd made a mistake on the form and they didn't want to correct it. Oh, Rico, yeah, yeah. It's actually after Rioc, but... Um. Trying to seduce him to come and be manager. They named their stadium after him. It was a mistake. Bruce refused. <laughs> so anyway, the third replay was played at Highfield Road. So Arsenal made the final. So Liverpool were denied mm-hmm. the double, um, having gone, like you say, uh, three whole games and extra time on each of those games to try and uh, separate the teams. Oh, fair play to Arsenal. Absolutely. However, they would go on to face Division 2's West Ham. Oh, yes. Who would beat an Aston Villa and Everton on their way to the final. That's right. Which is incredible. Top two, uh, you know, top teams there West, uh, at that time, Aston Villa and Everton. Um, but West Ham uh, found a way, uh, despite being in the lower division, um, or what we would know as the championship now. Mm-hmm. Um, the FA Cup remained, this is interesting, the only domestic trophy that Bob Paisley didn't win with Liverpool in his yeah, nine-year reign. Yeah, it's really sad. Crazy. It is crazy. Because he is by far the most successful Liverpool manager ever. But that eluded him. Although he did, <laughs> one of his famous quotes is when he was asked about, it might have even been this season, about winning the league again. He just said, well, you know, I have been here during the bad times too. One year we came second. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a great quote from Paisley. For a very humble man, that's Classic. the only time he kind of just thought he'd give it a little Yeah, bit. I read a really good article actually called um, Bob Paisley, the Reluctant Genius. Yeah, yeah. Very Always reluctant. spoken about, about how didn't gentle want, he was. Yeah, shy. didn't really want to be the manager. No, um, yeah. But obviously Shankly um, resigning uh, or retiring meant mm-hmm. that um, someone had to step up. Paisley did the job and... Did he ever do the job? Yeah. So, you know, a few little bits on Bob Paisley. I'm sure you will cover some of this when we actually get to the year when he steps away. Yeah. Um, but he was there for a few more years yet. But um, as I mentioned, the FA Cup remained the only domestic trophy Paisley didn't win. He also won, I might add, um, UEFA Cup and European Cups. Um, of course. Didn't yeah. win the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. Otherwise, that fact would have been. Uh, the only trophy he mm-hmm. didn't win, although you could argue all the kind of like random World Club Cup and all yeah, that kind of sure. stuff. Um, I saw a, a, a table, Paisley versus Ferguson, and Ferguson kind of has these weird UEFA Super Cup and yeah, all this kind sure. of stuff that just simply didn't really exist. No. Um, but, you know, did Ferguson ever win the Rumbelows Cup? <laughs> <laughs> that keeps him up at night even now. <laughs> yes, I've achieved so much. And yeah, the Milk Cup eluded me. The Rumbelows Cup. <laughs> Yeah, never a cup sound so cheap. It's so bad, isn't it? Um, so yeah, Paisley, uh, the only manager. Um, sorry, his trophy ratio, his trophy win ratio, stood at two point two per season. That is insane. Only bettered by Pep. That is ridiculous at isn't Barcelona. It? Yeah, that is um, absolutely insane. So yeah, Paisley's uh, win trophy. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Like two point two per season. Yeah, an av- an average. Yeah. <laughs> During the Baron years, we only won one. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so he was the only manager to win three European... This is a cool fact. The only manager to win three European Cup slash Champions Leagues with the same club. Mm. Um, one man has done it, but with different clubs. Zinedine, oh, no. Zinedine Zidane has now won three. Oh, has he? Right, yeah. okay. So I think that's an older fact. But Zidane won three. Right, um, there's another manager that's done it, but with different clubs. It's not Jose. No. Three different clubs. Carlo Ancelotti. Very yeah, good. There we go. So, yeah, Bob Paisley mentioned with, you know, what we would consider modern giants yeah, of the of game. Course, yeah, um, But ultimately, he was the only guy that did it with the same club, yeah. which is kind of pisses all over Carlo, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, anyway, Liverpool's dominance um, continued four in five. And um, would that change as, as the new decade came along? Uh, we'll obviously find that out. Um, a few other bits. Derby County, who Clough took to the championship, the league title, yep. I should say, uh, in 72. Their relegation coming um, five years or six years after they had been league champions. Yeah, sad. Sad times. Yeah, it's quite a downfall. I was trying to find like a quote 
from Clough, but I couldn't find one. But I, I can't believe they didn't ask him how he felt about Derby going down. But. Yeah, very true. But he might not have given it much shrift because he was very much a like, mm. I will talk about what's now. He didn't really talk. He wasn't like the reminiscing part, even in his like farewell interviews. Yeah. You know, he's just like, why did you get relegated? We weren't good enough. Yeah, and then he, he pauses, like, there's really no more. It's like, it. yeah, it's, it's the like, opposite oh. of media trained. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. And it was so refreshing. Yeah. But. With that, that's the uh, kind of the, the final days. But we do have the significant others. And I'm telling you, it is a significant, significant others. Four added minutes. And Gerard. I mean that, take about. You have been immense. Um, so first of all, obviously we covered Trevor Francis becoming the first million pound man. The national transfer record fee was broken um, for the second time in four days. So not following um, uh, Francis, but uh, this one following the record breaking of Francis. Right. Um, so 1.25 had been the record. 1.5 was paid for a certain Aston Villa and Scotland striker. Wolves. The uh, team were paying the money. Can you think who that would be? Scottish striker. Villa and Scotland striker and Wolves paid 1.5 for him. It's too early for Ali McCoist. <laughs> it's definitely too early for Ali Andy Gray. Andy Gray, yeah, very good. Andy Gray became uh, the record or national transfer record fee holder. Um, also... The 1st of March, so again, the 1st of March, oh, sorry, that was May. So 1st of March, 1980, Everton lose 2-1 at home. This is a sad one, um, to Liverpool in the 1st Division Merseyside derby. But during the game, legendary former striker Dixie Dean dies from a heart attack in the stands. No way. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No. So wow, at a Merseyside how horrific. Derby. Yeah. How horrific is that? Yeah. Bloody hell. Age 72. I had no idea. No. So, yeah, that is an absolutely significant other. Wow. Um. So, yeah, at the Merseyside Derby, Everton lost 2-1 um, and Dixie Dean passed away. Um, second Division West Ham, we've mentioned this. Uh, second Division West Ham United, managed by John Lyle, who you remember was also President Jack Tunney from the WWF. <laughs> That's right. I, when you brought up the name, I was like, why is that significant? I know we've spoken about him on other podcasts and then it's come clear. <laughs> President Jack Turney famously reordered um, the Undertaker and Hulk Hogan to fight Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> Following a massive the, miscarriage of justice. The fans are demanding the WWF spin-off pod. As president of the World Wrestling Federation, I am fully aware that the decisions of this office are not always popular and that this one will be no exception. However, I cannot stand idly by and take little or no action in the face of such grievous circumstances. This past Tuesday in Texas, during the Undertaker-Hulk Hogan championship match, I witnessed with my own eyes what I believe was a flagrant and far-reaching oversight on the part of the referee. <laughs> I don't know why I remember The final that. slam down. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Jack Tunney take, took West Ham. No, John Lyle took West Ham uh, to the FA Cup, beating Arsenal 1-0 with a Trevor Brooking header. Which, oh, yeah. uh, you remember that's right uh, the punt across the goal <laughs> could Brooking get out of the way no he couldn't so it is in nah, that's, that's unfair on Trevor it was a great goal um, so anyway West Ham they were the last team to win the FA Cup from outside the top division is that true do you know how much time it would take to fact check <laughs> yeah that is the problem <laughs> unless you know it already that's it so um, we're going to go with they were the last time to win uh, the FA Cup from outside the top division until we're told otherwise that's right um, Kevin Keegan 
significant other. He ended his three-year spell with Hamburger SV in Germany. Yeah, came back to England. Uh, do you know where he came back to? It's either Southampton or Newcastle. I can't remember which order it is. Southampton. I'm, ah, there we go. Returned to a shock. Uh, returned to England in a shock. Four hundred grand move. Seems like a cheap. It does seem he? cheap. I don't know. I if guess he, he was coming to the end of injuries, his career. but he was. He won the Ballon d'Or twice when he was at Hamburg. He, he won coming to the end. Well, he was still around for a few years. Yeah, after this. I don't. Maybe he was just desperate to come home, but and maybe Southampton were the only ones that could find a place for him, which does seem strange. Yeah. Because well, yeah. I, I don't know. Ballon yeah, d'Or winner, double Ballon d'Or winner for England. Well, as he well. was he was at this point the current European footballer of the year, yeah, and rated as one of the best strikers in the world. While Southampton was still struggling to establish themselves as a first division team. That's crazy, isn't it? That is weird. That isn't is it? really strange. Maybe just yeah. Maybe it was just a sense of I just want to come home now. Maybe he was homesick. Yeah, he would have thought he could demand any any team. club. Yeah, come out to Liverpool. Maybe he just really like the South Coast. Well, that actually wouldn't surprise me. Keggy doesn't seem like he's too fussy. I think we should look into illegitimate children born in Southampton. Elton Wellesby. Elton Wellesby. The short-haired Kevin Keegan. Have you ever seen him in the room at the same time? <laughs> born Southampton, May 1980. <laughs> Despite having presented the match a year previous. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So, yeah, Keegan was on his way back. Uh, he was quoted as saying, I would love it <laughs> <laughs> it's low-hanging fruit, but that's what we survive off of. Um, Nottingham Forest, uh, the retained retained the European Cup. Incredible, so rare. So rare. Um, interestingly, by beating Hamburg one um, yeah. 0 in the final in Madrid. Um, so yeah, not only did Forest uh, win the league, they won the European Cup, and then they went and defended the European Incredible. Cup. Incredible! Uh, I mean, achievement. That's a run, isn't it? I'd be interested to see how that then, because obviously in in my later years, kind of not. This is my lifetime, but as I grew up, Forest mm. were a bit of an also ran team. Yeah, of course. Um, Living off of past glories. Yeah, it? came into it a little bit when um, Psycho came along and mm-hmm. did, got to a final. Oh, the Gaza final. Yeah, they, of course. They, they got to, um, but really didn't do a lot else. Um, maybe a couple of League Cups. So it's interesting to see they were European, double European yeah. champions at the turn of the decade. Where did it go wrong? Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting thread um, to follow through. And then the final significant other I've got is only one manager was sacked in the top division. Wow. During this season. It's just incredible. Yeah, it is amazing. So Ian Greaves of Bolton, who were eventually relegated, yeah. was um, fired in January of that season. But he was the only one. And I imagine it probably stays like that for a few years, maybe one or two managerial changes per season. Until probably what mid eighties, reckon it starts to be a little. Yeah, bit I mean that again. That would be interesting to follow. Where, yeah. When did this kind of sacking like, culture? Yeah, just like constant. Like let's get rid of him. He's lost nine games in a row or something like that. Like yeah, how many yeah. games did this guy lose in a row? And also the other teams that got relegated. How did yeah, manage to survive? Yeah, just stick with it. Who interestingly, this is the season that Bristol City went down. Is that right? The last time they were in the top division. Wow. We're from the southwest, in case you're wondering, but. Um, yeah, that's and that was the last time a Southwest represented team was in the top division, and this was the fact, which I, I don't know if this is true. Until Swindon, is Swindon Southwest? Yeah, I guess you so. would count that. I mean, it's not it's not um, culturally <laughs> Southwest because we've got a huge culture here. I don't know if you know, but, massive mate. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. It's it's. I think it's geographically rather than kind of culturally Southwest. That would make sense. Yeah. Swindon. So they were in the top division in '94 with Hoddle. Yeah, of course. Um, who 
I'm not going to do track CJ. <laughs> See previous podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I like Huddle even less now after yeah. the Beckham doc. Yeah, it does refresh your memory of how yeah. two-footed he went into the young lad. Just a bit of a jackass, wasn't he? Anyway, so yeah, only one managerial change. City going down and Bolton going down. Poor old Ian Greaves um, suffering at that. Uh, and then I just wanted to cover, we mentioned it last week, and, and this kind of period of time, this last kind of five years, up until the 82 World Cup, was symbolised by a battle for England's number one jersey. That's right. So, just set the scene. Ray Clements of Liverpool, um, certainly for most of this period, mm-hmm. and then Peter Shilton of Forest. Not actually for most of this period, obviously, because he was transferred um, when Clough first came in to... That's right. Uh, well, not first came in, but came in um, to the top division in 78. Um, so, they, they kind of, like, vied for the England jersey constantly. I find this out, it's amazing. Peter Shilton made his debut... In 1966. Oh my God. What the hell? How old is that guy? He's discovered the fountain of youth. It's incredible, isn't it? 1966. Do you know he still played player manager in 1996? That is amazing. So he retired international in 1990, but carried on playing for a few odd years. I knew he was like into his 40s, but that is astonishing. He he was that young when he made his debut. Wow. So, so Clements retired nearly a decade earlier. Yeah. Much more affected by injuries. So anyway, Ray Clements, uh, Ray Clements and Shilton kind of went head to head for the England job. Alf Ramsey seemed to prefer Shilton. Yeah. Um, but obviously uh, made way for Don Revy in 74. Um, Don Revy preferred Clements. Clements. Interesting. Um, so he had this kind of like, so Clements had a run of about three years um, where Shilton just sat on the sidelines. Wow. Now this is a guy that got 125 England caps. Yeah, sure. So probably add at least 20 to that. Yeah. Um, if he had played all the way through, um, such was the longevity of his, of his career, certainly his international career. Yeah. I think he was 40 in 1990. Yeah, that's what I, I, I 40 seems significant for Shilton, so that would make sense. Um. But this is interesting. So by the time Ron Greenwood was manager of England at the end of the decade, he simply couldn't decide. So he, <laughs> Flip a coin. <laughs> so he, he literally played them alternate games. No. Yeah. That's what you want, consistency across yeah. the back line, so isn't the it? So two top goalkeepers <laughs> in England, symbolising in a way the unsettled nature of the England setup in this period where we didn't qualify um, for either World Cup 74 or 78, didn't do well at Euro uh, Championships at all. Yeah. And it, or in a way, it's kind of like, you know... I, I don't know loads about Ron Greenwood, but this kind of sums up what we know yeah, uh, sure. as a headline. Shilton and Clements playing alternate matches um, throughout this period. Both um, keepers enjoyed the best periods of success, which is the weird part, of their clubs at this point. <laughs> So no they way. were both like absolutely smashing it at their clubs. Clements and Shilton, both European champions, both yeah. league title winners, um, you know, multiple trophies. By the time the World Cup came around in 82, an unprecedented situation arose. So this is incredible. Go on. Both Clements and Shilton informed the England boss, Greenwood, that it was make-up-your-mind time. Wow. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, it's like early player power. That's incredible. Uh, as the country could not continue to alternate goalkeepers during a World Cup tournament, yeah. which most you know fair-minded people would go, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, yeah. that's fair. So then fate intervened for Greenwood. So Injury? He didn't have to make a decision, really. He, it was kind of handed to him. Tottenham had had a long season in 81-82, and we'll cover this in a few weeks' time. At one point, they challenged for the f- for four trophies, while Forrest had finished a miserable 10th in the table, huh. not been in Europe, and had exited both domestic cups in the early rounds. So this meant that Shilton was well-rested by the season's end, while Clements had the little matter of an FA Cup final to contend with the week before England's <laughs> final no um, warm-up games. Tottenham met QPR, there mm-hmm. you go, 
uh, in the final played on a Saturday with less than five minutes of extra time remaining. It looked like they would retain the cup they had won the previous season as they led through a solitary Glenn Hoddle goal. Then up stepped QPR's Terry Fenwick, who was England's um, left back, to nod in an equaliser and force a replay back at Wembley the following Thursday. Wow. The timing couldn't have been worse for Clements as it meant that it meant he was now ruled out of England's last two major matches prior to the World Cup. Crazy, isn't it? You have the best season of your or one not, of the best yeah. seasons ever, and you get stitched up. It's like, yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> you imagine him shaking hands with Terry Fenwick and everything. <laughs> that is crazy so instead of playing against Holland on the Tuesday or Scotland on the Saturday which were the last two World Cup warm-up games it was Shilton who got the nod for both those games he kept clean sheets in both those match- matches therefore pushing his nose ahead of Clements and ultimately starting the World Cup as Greenwood's preferred choice wow that incredible! What a, what a headier time when you had Shilton and Clements competing for the number one jersey yeah. instead of when we had like James Robinson, Foster, <laughs> Kirkland all trying to be England's number one. Don't forget Rob Green, mate, and Rob Green. Yeah, of course, um, amazing. But a sad a sad finish, really, in a way. Shilton would from that point in the eighty two World Cup. Shilton would barely miss another England game in the next eight years, while Clements would only play twice more. That is amazing. Years. Isn't that incredible. Really sad though for Clements. Yeah. So going into that end of that season, he's like, World Cup coming up, can't yeah. wait. You know, I might get to play in a World Cup. Never played in a World Cup. Yeah, that's re- that is crazy, isn't it? Really sad. I did discover a fact, actually, about Shilton. Sorry, it just popped into no, my brain. It might be what He holds the world record for the most consecutive games in world football. Oh, really? Uh, what Something like, yeah, so the Shilton record, I just checked it, isn't necessarily consecutive appearances, but it's the most appearances. Right. Over 1,400 appearances between the 1960s and the 1990s. 1,400. I mean, it's nuts, isn't it? It is really <laughs> I nuts. know goalkeepers tend to get a lot more, but that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to say about Shilton, which is not doesn't paint him in such a good light, is that he he could be a bit of a bastard. Right. Um, with So in the 82 World Cup, in I think it was the Kuwait game, Yeah. Uh, England were already uh, pretty much assured to qualify. Ron Greenwood suggested that Clements play yeah. uh, to give him a sure, game. Yeah. Shilton refused, <laughs> and then he get and then it happened again with Chris Woods uh, Euro eighty eight. Really, where Bob Robson was like, "Oh, let's give Chris Woods a game." The, yeah, the, yeah. You know, Chris Woods, when I grew up, he was always the sub goalkeeper. Yeah, sure. barely ever got a game. But yeah, Shilton refused and <laughs> took the cap anyway. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's how you get to the amount of caps he had, but that is like. It's selfish, isn't Pretty it? Pretty harsh, it yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Shilton v Clements. I'm sure we'll touch on that again, but that uh, kind of symbolised this little period of time and yeah. ended a bit sadly for, for Ray. That's right, but that was enlightening. Uh, so join us next week where we hope to enlighten you more as we get into the 80s. Yeah.